What's up, Kyle? Not much, Jake. <coughs> um, hey, everybody. We're here. Welcome to episode 12. It's episode 12. And we're we're living, we're surviving. Jake's alive. I'm feeling good. Yeah. Are you? I'm so not feeling good. No, I feel <laughs> fine. Uh, I woke up really hungover, and then I was like, I gotta go get my tattoo. So I went and got a tattoo, and if I was hungover before, I sure as shit wasn't when I was done. That mm-hmm. shit hurt so much. Got it right on the rib, mm-hmm. uh, which everybody knows that's like... The worst spot. Yeah, top five worst places to get a tattoo in terms of pain. It's up there. It sucked. Was uh, it one of those moments where you're like, I can take it. Maybe people are over-exaggerating. No, no. I knew for a fact that it was going to hurt uh, without a doubt. Because I have one on my wrist, and or not on my wrist. I have one on my forearm, but it goes into the wrist at the end. And that was extremely painful. And the lady was like, yo, um... It's going to feel like that part the whole time. <laughs> and as soon as she said it, I was like, oh, my God. Oh, this is going to suck. Yeah, I was like, there's no part of me that's excited anymore. Like, I, I was excited. I got it. I'm excited to have it. I think it looks great. But I'm still, like, it hurt so much. And I'm tired from it. Because it was just, my arms were tense. I was grabbing the table so hard. Uh, it sucked so bad. And this is the day after a hangover. No, this day is the day of a hangover. hangover. Yeah. Uh, it sucked because we we had friends over and I got not drunk but I was drinking and then, so I was drunk I guess but like comfortable functioning whatever the fuck you want to call it to justify it I felt good and then I woke up this morning I was like I feel like ass and yeah <laughs> then breakfast tattoo breakfast day. tattoo yeah. now I'm here it's been uh, a good day yeah it's been a good day it's been a pretty eventful week yeah the Grammys happened Grammys did happen. Anything big happened there? I know Billie Eilish won another one. Billie Eilish won. Uh, Beyonce is now the most winning woman in Grammy history. Hell yeah. She has, I think, 28. Queen B. Go you. Taylor Swift set a record. For she, what? She is now the first... Uh, hold on. Let me get the record. Let me get it right. Let me get the record straight. Beyonce won four awards, bringing her lifetime total to 28. She now holds the record for most Grammy wins by a female artist. Blue Ivy Carter, her daughter, also won her first award. What award did she win? I don't know, but she won it. Uh, She won... For just being Beyonce's daughter? No, she won because for her role in the music video for Brown Skin Girl. Oh, oh, that was her. Yeah, she's in that. Uh, So, and then Megan Thee Stallion was the first female rapper to win the Best New Artist Award since Lauryn Hill in 1999. She also won Best Rap Performance and Best Rap Song for Savage, featuring Beyonce. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yo, go her. Yeah. A lot of people won. It was pretty... It it apparently was a really good show, too, which is good because the Grammys need that because the Grammys can suck sometimes. Yeah. I love watching award shows. The Grammys can suck. Well, I think they they were like, we have to do really well because it's all pretty much over Zoom now. Yeah, and I think they just let the artists perform their songs. Like, everything I heard was just, it was really good. Mm. Uh, What record did Taylor Swift set? She, I believe, both Beyonce and Taylor Swift made history at the Grammys. Beyonce's win made her the most awarded woman of all time, which I've said like three times. Well, Taylor (laughs) Swift's win for Folklore for Album of the Year, she is now the first woman artist to win Album of the Year three times. Oh, sick. Yeah, it's pretty fucking dope. Go Uh, T-Swift. Love that. Love T-Swift. Love it. Love it. Uh, Otherwise, it was the Grammys. People won. Uh, I think... Music was played. Harry Styles won, which is cool. 
Good. Uh, do a lethal one, which is cool. Mm. But yeah, it was just it it was it was good. But then uh, the Oscar noms happened. Oscar noms. We're not gonna do what we did in an earlier episode. We're gonna skip over the technical categories. Yeah, that's really it. I yeah. don't want to talk about them. I don't want to spitball who's gonna win for best whatever the fuck because I don't care. Yeah, I'll be also blunt. Killed me in the editing bay. Yeah, murdered me. So. For Best Actor in a Leading Role, the nominees are Riz Ahmed for Sound of Metal, mm-hmm. Chadwick Boseman for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, mm-hmm. Anthony Hopkins for The Father, mm-hmm. Gary Oldman for Mank, Stephen Ewan for Minari. Uh, it's going to probably be Chadwick Boseman. Probably. Although uh, Riz Ahmed and Stephen Ewan both made history for being nominated in this category. I yeah. think Stephen Ewan is the first Asian American. Yeah. yeah. And then Riz Ahmed is the first Pakistani. Yeah, I really liked Riz Ahmed's acting in that category too. Uh, well, yeah. I, I, it's going to go to Chadwick Boseman. Yeah, I've been saying this for months. Man. Yeah. Don't, just repeat it, man. Just, just say just what I've been saying. Just gonna uh, do I, I didn't know that Steven Yeun would be in there though. That's really cool. Yeah, I'm excited that he's in it because, yeah, I still need to see that movie, Minari, but I'm excited that he's nominated because mm. I, it, it, I don't think he got, I don't think it's fallen under the radar. But I think the Globes nominating it for Best Foreign Feature, it fell under a lot of people's radar. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that the Oscars have been like, no, no, Minari. Um, <laughs> but then for actor in a supporting role, uh, Lakeith Stanfield for Judas and the Black Messiah. Okay. Daniel Kaluuya for Judas and the Black Messiah. <laughs> Sasha Baron Cohen for The Trial of the Chicago 7. Leslie Odom Jr. for One Night in Miami. And Paul Racy for Sound of Metal. I'm really happy that Paul Racy's in there. Me too. That makes me so happy. I don't know who's going to win, though. Because I was racking my brain of who's going to get it. Like, I'm thinking of all the good actors, and then I <laughs> thought about it, and I was like, oh, wait, Paul Racy's in there. Hell he's yeah. not going to get it, though. No, he's not, but I'm really think, happy he's just So I want them. I want them to give it to Daniel Kaluuya. I think they're. it's a little fucked that Lakeith Stanfield's in there, because he should be in the best actor category. Yeah. Uh, which even he posted on his Instagram a photo of just his notes, and it said... I don't know why the fuck I'm in that category either, but I'll take it. <laughs> it's his first Oscar nom. That's really funny. Love that energy. Um, He's like, I know what I'm good for. Yeah, well, also, it's just like, he wasn't the supporting actor. No, he's the he's main He's the actor. main character. Yeah. Because then a lot of people, when they saw that, were like, okay, so if the guy that plays Fred Hampton is the supporting actor, which he was, and then the main character in the supporting actor category, um, who was the main character then? Like, yeah. if the main character isn't in the best, if he's going to get nominated... Which he deservedly got nominated, but yeah. he's not getting nominated as the the main, like, leading role, leading, which yeah. he was. I don't know. I think that's weird. Yeah, I think it's weird. Uh, but it, I hope it goes to Daniel Kaluuya. <clears throat> I'm excited that Sasha Baron Cohen's nominated because he was really good in the Trial of Chicago mm-hmm. Seven. But I think it's going to go to Kaluuya. I also love that Leslie Odom Jr. I wasn't mad at these categories no. this year. Actually, I thought everybody that was nominated deserved it. Next is actress in a leading role. Yeah. Uh, Viola Davis for Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Nice. Andra Day for the United States vs. Billie Holiday. Mm. Vanessa Kirby for Pieces of a Woman. Mm. Frances McDormand for Nomadland. Carrie Mulligan for Promising Young Woman. I hope that the hype of Nomadland is over to the point where Oscars can look at these things more subjectively than just riding the hype wave. Well, yeah. So, I don't... I, Frances McDormand did a fantastic job. She did. Don't get me wrong. Who do you want to give it to? 
Vanessa Kirby was really good. I just don't want to... After we watch Nomadland, I just don't want to give Nomadland anything it doesn't deserve. But Francis McDermott would be getting it in this case. So Yeah. So I, I think it's going to go to Francis McDormand. Yeah. Although I'd love it to go to Carrie Mulligan. Yeah. Because she was amazing and promising young woman. That movie is great. Uh, that one's grown on me the more I've thought about it. Because it's just... It's a fun, dark, twisted revenge movie and i love it yeah i found it interesting just like the people that because in this field you have to go off and be like this is what i thought about it this is what it is to me i've thought about it this is logistically and this is how i feel about it right off the bat but the only way to really tell if it's like a really good movie is letting it sit with you Uh for like a while and then being like okay i did really like this movie that coffee was good um (laughs) (laughs) for people not watching the video i just finished my coffee and it felt great um, Damn, you got that fast. Uh, yes, I did. <laughs> uh, for actress in a supporting role, mm. the nominees are Olivia Coleman for The Father, All right. Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, Amanda Seyfried for Mank, Yu Jung Yoon for Minari, and Maria Bakalova for Borat's subsequent movie film, Delivery of Prodigious Bride to American Regime for Make Benefit Once Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. And I think it's going to go to her. You think it's going to go to Maria Bakalova? I think she deserves it. I think she deserves it. Because I went back and rewatched that movie again. And she it's not bad. She's great. It it grew on me the second time I watched it. Because the first time I watched it, I remember being like, yeah, it's not great. And the second time I watched it, I was like, actually, this shit hits. Yeah. I want to say, though, because we haven't mentioned it, is Glenn Close made history, too, for being the first person to be nominated for an Oscar and a Razzie at the same time? For the same role? Yeah, for the same role. Really? Yeah. She got nominated for a Razzie. They said that she was fucking awful. And then they also like, well, she that's the thing. When that popped up, so I was watching the nominations happen. This is my Super Bowl. So I was watching <laughs> the nominations live on my laptop, typing them up as they were announced, which doesn't make sense because they're posted everywhere. Yeah. And when they said Glenn Close for Hillbilly Elegy, I was like, I remember when that movie came out, mm-hmm. not because I watched it, but because everywhere that reviewed it was like, this is very clearly an Oscar bait movie and it sucks. Like they were like, everybody in this movie could do better. Ron Howard could do better. Amy Adams could do better. Glenn Close could do better. Like every part of the movie, they were like, it's not that it sucks. It's that it could be better. And that's what makes it bad because you're watching a team of people put together a movie that they should have killed and they did it. It's the context of these people are professionals that's been doing this for basically their whole lives. If this was like an indie film, it'd be great. But the fact that it's professional, it's a professionally made film, it it could have just hit it so much oh, harder. Yeah. And it didn't. Yeah. She got nominated for a Razzie and an Oscar. That's crazy. I know. It's wild. <laughs> it just shows you how like not sure anybody is about this movie. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah. People are like, she's supposed to be good, so let's give her an Oscar. But she was actually terrible. Kind of bad. Yeah. <laughs> uh but I've always found that hilarious. In reality, though, Maria Bakalova. I hope she wins because that was her debut. And I think, first of all, she crushed it. But I hope she wins the Oscar. Just because, one, she's great. And she deserves it. I think of all the people in this category that I've seen, uh, Amanda Seyfried, if she were to win it, I wouldn't be mad. Yeah, she did Because she stole the show in every scene she was in in Mank. Like, you wanted to see more of her. But if Bakalova won, it wouldn't disappoint me because she carried most of Borat too. And which is impressive because that isn't saying Sasha Baron Cohen was bad. It was just this newcomer actress came in, played along and crushed it. 
Yeah. So I hope she wins. Um, she, she came in with the confidence you need to be a standout. Yeah, actress. dude, she killed it. Yeah, um, it was awesome. For animated feature film, the nominations were Wolf Walkers, mm. Over the Moon, A Shaun the Sheep movie, Farmageddon, <laughs> Onward, and Soul. It's gonna go Soul. I just love that Pixar has two movies nominated. Yeah, that's. that's I think that's pretty fun. Onward. I always say I love that movie. I always got to say it. That movie's so good. That movie made me call my brother. Yeah. Fun fact. Like, I watched that movie, and I called my brother, and it was weird because my brother and I technically aren't even brothers. Yeah. We're not blood-related, and at this point, we're not even stepbrothers. We're not – for all intents and purposes, like, if there was a drastic accident to happen to one of us and only family was allowed in the hospital room – They wouldn't let you in. I'm not allowed in, yeah. and neither would he. Like, he wouldn't be able to get in. But we're brothers. We see each other all the time uh, when we can. I call him all the time. We talk all the time. Uh, I love him to death. Watching that movie, I called him and was like, you should watch that movie. I think you'd love that movie. Yeah. I was like, it made me think of you. It was great. Which was, we both had the same reaction. We're just like, wow, I love my brother. I miss him. But it was weird because we were like, yeah, we don't have the same dad. Yeah. Like, we're not even related. Like, like we were like, we don't have the same dad. And yet we related so much to that movie. And I love it. But it should go to soul. It should go to Seoul. And I actually, um, I just saw a clip for Wolfwalkers the other day. Yeah. Because I hadn't seen anything about Wolfwalkers. I saw a clip. I'm like, the animation's so smooth. Holy crap. Yeah. So I gotta watch that. Uh, it's great. It's on Apple TV Plus, which I have. I can hook it up to the TV because it's fucking amazing. Oh, cool. It's great. Dope. Uh, I watched that because that got nominated for... I think a golden globe or mm -hmm. something. And I was like, Oh my God. Cause I think it's made by the same people that made the movie, the book of Kells or the song of Kells or whatever. Yeah. They make these movies and they all have that look to them. And I was like, Oh no, I'll watch that. Cause they're good. Uh, but yeah. So I think it's going to go to Seoul. I think it's going to go to Seoul. Uh, for cinematography, they nominated Judas and the black Messiah, mm -hmm. Mank news of the world, which made me really happy. Because yeah. there were shots in News of the World when I was watching it that, like, I literally paused it a couple times and was like, that's a good fucking shot. Yeah. And even, like, I watched it with Allie, and Allie at some point was like, oh, that looks good. And I was like, yeah. And again, I that movie, I'm glad it's getting some recognition because I didn't think it was going to be great. Uh, Tom Hanks didn't get nominated, so it was clearly a vehicle and it didn't get nominated. But I think it deserves the recognition for its cinematography because it did have killer cinematography. Yeah, it had a couple of pleasant surprises in it. Yeah, it yeah. Was, I, I didn't think it was going to be good. And then I learned it was a Paul Greengrass movie starring Tom Hanks that was great. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Uh, so Nomadland got nominated, which deserves. Uh, yeah. And The Trial of Chicago 7, which I don't think deserves it at all. No. Be, well, so have you watched that movie yet? No, I haven't. You should watch it. It is good. Uh, it deserves... It, it's another movie that I think deserves recognition. It is really good. Uh, everybody in it does great. But the cinematography was a little flat. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it, nothing about it made me go, oh, the cinematography's great. Like, the movie's really good. Mm. But I don't think the cinematography was great. And when it got nominated, I even was like, huh, because, like, Mank deserves it. That black and white looks fucking looks immaculate. Juice and the Black Messiah deserves it. The way that things have this sort of reflection and glow to them is amazing and also just the just cinematography alone the amount of tense yeah no it's a great it just packs it's a it. greatly shot movie uh news of the world deserves it there are some shots in there that are fucking immaculate nomadland deserves it that's your favorite part of nomadland is cinematography. yeah the cinematography is beautiful yeah uh Charlie, i don't think it deserved it and no. then uh my mom did 
the thing that she does where she's like, well, if it didn't deserve it, what deserves it? Tenant looked beautiful. Mm. Uh, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of ending things. Had amazing cinematography. Thinking of ending things had fantastic cinematography. Yeah. I loved that movie. Which it's that. It's that. It's because I, I love my mom does it all the time whenever I'm like, I don't think this movie deserves this. Just this faith. And yeah, she'll be like, she'll be like, well, if it doesn't, what does? And that's when I just sit there. I'm like, all right, let me flex on you. Tenet. I have a list. Tenet deserves it. Uh, any of the f- films that Steve McQueen directed for mm-hmm. s- small acts, they deserve it. From what I saw from Lover's Rock. Lover's Rock deserved it. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking, now I'm looking at my list of movies. Um, I'm really sad that Tenet kind of got stepped on. I am, but I'm not. Because it's one. Tenet's the one where I'm like... It deserves the love, but like it's not best picture. It's not best picture. It's not best actor, actress, supporting actor, or supporting actress. It's yeah. definitely not best writing. Like yeah. you know what I mean? In the big categories, what what are you gonna give it? It's not gonna get best original screenplay. Just films people say, I don't know where to put it, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I <laughs> it, I think it deserves that. Sound of Metal had great cinematography. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know if Sound of Metal would win Best Cinematography. Though. Probably not, yeah. but it had great cinematography. Yeah. Uh, which is why I get, like, I'll get frustrated with my mom because she'll say stuff like that and I'll just be like, no, it it, it doesn't deserve it. You know what else had great cinematography? What? That got snubbed hard that I'm going to talk about once we're done going over these. What? The Five Bloods. But, yeah, The Five Bloods got mentioned for Golden Globes, but then nothing else. Don't worry. I'm going to talk about it. Give me a minute. <laughs> uh but yeah, those are the cinematography. What did you think out of those five? Out of these five? Yeah, because you've seen them all. I've seen like a couple of them. I think, I think Nomadland's gonna get it. Mm-hmm. I would give it to Mank. Yeah, because Mank, Mank looked beautiful. Uh, it was one of my favorite things about Mank was actually how it looked. But uh, we're gonna skip over costume design because honestly, I don't want to talk about it. Uh, I also just don't care, which, you know, if somebody out there is listening to this and they care and you want to hit me up about it, don't because I don't care. Here's his Twitter. And if and if we (laughs) and if we blow up down the road and people go back and re-listen to all our old episodes and you're like, wow, Jake, that was really rude of you. Why would you say that about costume design? They're important (laughs) people. They play a major part in the movies. Yeah, I know. They create all the costumes that the people in the movies wear. I get it. They deserve the recognition. That's why they have the category. I just want to fucking talk about it. So if you hit me up about it later on down the road, because you re-listen to this episode and you're like, Jake, that was really rude. I don't like that you didn't acknowledge the costume design. Well, I'm not the Oscars, so go fuck yourself. And His I don't name's care. Jake. He wasn't. And my name's Oscar. Jake. And I don't care. Um, but so the nominees for best costume design. <laughs> no, the nominees for best director are Thomas Vinterberg for another round. Okay. David Fincher for Mank. Hmm. Lee Isaac Chung for Minari. All right. Chloe Zhao for Nomadland and Emerald Fennel for Promising Young Woman. This category made me happy and slightly frustrated. Makes me happy because Chloe Zhao and Emerald Fennel both just made history. Yeah. Uh, simultaneously. So Chloe Zhao is the first Asian American, or not even Asian American, first Asian director to be nominated. Not Asian director to be nominated. First Asian female director to be nominated. Yeah. Emerald Fennel is the first female director to be nominated for her directorial debut and mm-hmm. both of them collectively this is the first time ever the two female directors were nominated in the same year that makes me happy i think that's awesome yeah 
Because now, because now of the six female directors that have ever been nominated and the one winner, they're now part of that, which I think is cool. And I think it's a terribly small number and more female directors should be nominated and all that. And I don't mean to say and all that because I sound like I don't care. I say and all that because if you go to film school, this is a discussion that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's it's not that it's frustrating. It's that there's nothing we can do about it. And it's one of those things like I want to see that change. Yeah. But it's not like one of those things where it's like I'm going to post on my Instagram story. Here's how you can donate. Here's how you can make that change. There are great female film directors out there making movies every single year that just don't get the recognition. And I'm glad that these ones did. And I hope that more do going forward. And it's a shame that less have in the past. Yeah. Here's why this category sort of annoyed me chloe zhao shouldn't even be in best director i don't think really i don't i think direction of that movie that's not why that annoyed this annoyed me it annoys me that thomas vinterberg's directed in for uh another Another round round. yeah because this is like so there was one year and i'm gonna pull it up there was one year where the movie cold war got a lot of love and it deserved all the love i own this movie it's amazing it was nominated for Best Foreign Language Film, Best Cinematography, and Best Director. And it was directed by uh, Powell, 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 Powell Pawlikowski. Uh, he made this movie and he made Ida or Ida. He's made a bunch of good movies. Yeah. This was also the year the Green Book won Best Picture for reference of the year. Right. Here's why it annoyed me that he was nominated. That year, there were a lot of great movies that came out. Uh and it's not that I don't think these foreign that that Powell 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 whatever the fuck deserved recognition for Cold War. He does. Mm-hmm. It's an amazing movie. I think if you want to give, and this is why I think the Oscars can change, and I'm excited because they're attempting to change as time goes on. I think if you want to nominate foreign directors for best director, open up a best foreign feature director category mm. because, like that year. Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture. Yeah. Ryan Coogler deserves the nomination. Because then you've got... in, But then it's like, well, what about, you know, Alfonso Cuaron won for Roma? And it's like, cool. Yeah, he deserved it. But I think it could be handled like... And this is where I'm trying to word it correctly because it sounds like I don't want them to have this recognition. Like, I think Thomas Vinterberg deserves recognition for another round. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. Mm-hmm. But I think... You know, you think there should be a broader acceptance? Yeah, because I think I think then you know if you look and we're gonna get to best picture, but like, fucking, Sound of Metal, the director of that, Mm -hmm. they could get nominated, and I think if they're not gonna open up a new category, open up the number of people that can get nominated Mm -hmm. to match the number of nominations that can happen for best picture. Because it's not that I get frustrated with it. Like, he deserves the recognition. Powell Palakowski deserves recognition. Alfonso Cuaron deserved the win. And, you know, Yorgos Lanthimos, who was directed the same year as Powell Palakowski, deserves that recognition. I just think they should open up the category more or create a new category for foreign feature directors. Because it, I don't know, it. because then it's like, okay, well, what else is another round going to be nominated for? And it's like, well, it's going to be nominated for Best Foreign Feature. And that's it. Because the same thing happened to Cold War. It got cinematography, best foreign feature, and director. It happened to uh, uh, Pain and Glory made by fucking... Fucking... Pedro... Pedro Almodovar. Yeah. That guy. I think that of these nominees, too, I think think Chloe Zhao is going to get it. 
Chloe Zhao's probably going to get it. I just didn't... Me, personally, I think the direction of the movie could have been handled better if you look at it from, like, a... Um, like, how they did their job. Is it impressive that she put together and essentially made this whole huge world mm-hmm. um, and documented while creating an, a cool fictional story behind it that retained a lot of the aspects of real nom- like nomads? Yeah, it's really, really cool. I think she did a fantastic job. I think it's great she got recognition. Personally, I don't know if I'd give her best director, but it's definitely a, a great, great job. Good job, Chloe Zhao. I think she did great. <laughs> <laughs> I just think uh, some like other people have done better. Okay. That's what I'm saying. So who who would you give it to then? Out of the five? Yeah. Um, I think it would, in my head, I think it would probably go to Emerald Fennel. Okay. Uh, and then if not Emerald Fennel, probably Thomas Vinterberg. I don't think David Fincher should I think win that. See, I would say, I'm going to say it. it's probably going to go to Chloe Zhao, but then I would say Chloe Zhao, Fincher, and again, I haven't seen Minari. Really? You'd go... Chloe Zhao and Fincher. Yeah, and then Emerald Fennel. But here here would be my gripe. If they gave it to Fincher, they should have given it to him before. For which? Any. Any? <laughs> uh, social Network. Yeah. For sure. Uh, social Network. They should have given it to him for Social Network because that's one of the best movies of all time. Uh, Gone Girl. It, Mank wasn't his best movie. No. Which would which it would be one of those situations where I feel if they were to give it to Fincher, which I don't think they will, I think it's just one of those things like we're nominating because he made a really good movie that glorified Hollywood in its like thirties and forties and we fucking love to jerk ourselves off. Uh which they do. But I feel like if they were to give it to him, it would be just like an acknowledgement of his career instead of like you deserve it for this one. Like yeah. you know what I mean? But that's but, not what the Oscars is, and I some I feel like they sometimes conflate the two. I know, but sometimes they yeah. do that. Like they gave Paul Newman an Oscar for The Color of Money. They did? Yeah, that was his one Oscar. Oh. Okay. They gave Al Pacino an Oscar for The Scent of a Woman. Oh damn. Yeah, they they huh. it's one of those things they happen it's one of like like no, they were really good in that movie. Like Al Pacino was great in Scent of a Woman. Mm-hmm. But you you can't tell me <laughs> that at the point when you have like six or seven nominations and then they give you the Oscar, there's no way that you were that good. Like Al Pacino in Scent of a Woman is great. Doesn't hold a candle to Al Pacino in Dog Day Afternoon, Godfather 1 and 2, Serpico, or Scarface. Yeah. Doesn't hold a candle. So you can't tell me that when they do this shit, it's like, no, that was your best role. It's definitely them being like, you were really good in that and we might have missed it. With those categories too, it's not like... Oh, that was fantastic! If it was, if that movie was put in this year, it probably would have won. But in those years, was another movie just better? No, because objectively? with the Godfather, Godfather won Best Picture. Marlon Brando. Oh, I'm talking about the Godfather. I'm talking about just like movies that lose in certain years that probably wouldn't won in another year because they're just surrounded by just a different slew of content. I'm maybe yeah, but then the, then you get into the thing of like they fucked up Best Picture. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, it's like maybe, but at the same time, like maybe not. Maybe they just fuck up. Maybe it's like, yeah, no. Which we, happens. Like, which happens. Yeah. But, uh. That's, that's, uh, best director. But yeah, so best director, I think it's going to go to Chloe Zhao. Okay. I mean, I think it's going to go to Chloe Zhao. I just personally think probably Emerald Fennel. Okay. Was great. Hey, all right. I think that movie killed it. All right. Uh. 
Next, I don't want to talk about documentary features, but Time got nominated, and that makes me hype. I hope nice. it wins. Nice. But so for film editing, not a lot to talk about. This is just something that I realized what was going to happen early on in the nominees. Mm -hmm. The Father got nominated. I haven't seen it. It's not available to rent yet. I don't know what it does, but it clearly did something right. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, you know, I don't know who's going to win. Because uh, for film editing, I don't know. All the movies nominated, it makes sense. Uh, Trial of Chicago 7 was nominated. Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, Nomadland, and The Father. This is one that I'm indifferent to. It could go to any of them. I don't really care. I really like Sound of Metal's editing. Out of all I of like their sound editing. Yeah. Well, it, is it just overall editing? This is like video editing. Video editing, okay. Because they have a sound. I liked in the in the opening when just shit's so quick and the yeah all the the POVs change and I really liked the the opening of that movie that really locked me in for video yeah. editing. Like Sound of Metal is nominated for sound, which I think it'll win. But yeah. Um. So after that, uh, then we get into writing, best writing adapted screenplay. So these are all the movies based on writings previously released. Hmm. Uh, the White Tiger, One Night in Miami, mm -hmm. Nomadland, The Father, and Borat's subsequent movie film, Delivery of Prodigious Bride to American Regime for Make Benefit, Once Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. That's an adapted... Yep. Screenplay? I had the same reaction. Yes. Adapted from what? I don't know. What? But it was adapted from something. <laughs> uh, wow. I think One Night in Miami. I do too. I actually think One Night in Miami might take it. Yeah. But... Wait, that's amazing. That <laughs> yeah, more yeah, wrap, an wrap your head around play. that one. Uh, and then original <coughs> screenplay, the nominees are The Trial of the Chicago 7, mm. Sound of Metal, Promising Young Woman, Minari, and Judas and the Black Messiah. And I genuinely don't know because Aaron Sorkin is an amazing writer in terms of film writing. So Trial of Chicago 7 might get it. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah was written really well. It was really tight. Yeah. Sound of Metal was great. Promising Young Woman was written really well, especially for the ending of the movie and not seeing it coming. It was it was written immaculately. And then I haven't seen Minari. It's supposed to be amazing. So it, this is actually one of the categories that I'm like, I have no clue and I wouldn't be mad at any of it. I really liked, if I were to pick one, I really like Judas and the Black Messiah. I think they killed that. See, I would say... I would actually say Trial of Chicago 7. Really? Yeah, and there's a reason. The whole movie is written, and this it's all about this trial that happens because a riot happened. And the whole movie, they're talking about this riot, and you never really see it. And then you learn some information about one of the characters and what part they played in the riot, and then you see how it happened. And oh. I think, and I think the way that it's written around this event and then when you see it i think it's great it's it just, it's, it's it unravels at a fair pace it it's the pacing's great but then the way that they yeah yeah like the pacing's really good and then the way that it's tied together is just really really good and that's really the only reason i'm like i would give it to them because in terms of writing that's impressive yeah that they pulled that off that isn't saying that i don't want it to go to all these other movies because I'd love it if it went to any of them. But to, to keep somebody's interest in an event that they haven't seen for yeah. a fair amount of time. And to then the to write where, the event. Yeah. To write the event well enough that it's like, oh, shit. Like, it was really good. Cool. Uh, and so then awesome. uh, the nominees for Best Picture. Best Picture. The Father. Mm. 
I don't know what it is. I don't either. But it did something, right? Mm. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Nice. Mank. Okay. Minari. Nomadland. Promising Young Woman. Sound of Metal. And The Trial of the Chicago 7. Sound of Metal. No way. That is my vote. It's definitely not going to sound. I know, it has my vote, though. I think it's between Minari and Nomadland. I think it is, too. And I don't know which ones it's going to go to. But, yeah. That's the Oscar noms. Mm. I'm excited. I'm pumped. Uh, I think, when does it air? April 25th. So, that's tight. I'm excited for that. Oh. But then, so, with the Oscars comes, you know... Every year, there's always movies that they miss, they don't nominate, and people feel that's not fair. Yeah, the snubs. This year, they missed a a couple, a good handful. Not, yeah, like not enough for me for like big enough outrage. Like it's not like the Oscars so white years when that happens, yeah. and it's weird that it's happened a handful of times. It's not like that where it's like, yo, what the fuck, but. But there like, are enough that it's yeah. like, okay, we missed a couple. Um, first of all, Regina King, who directed oh, yeah. One Night in Miami, didn't get nominated. Didn't even get mentioned. Did nothing. Uh, and which also that wasn't nominated for Best Picture, which, you know, get rid of Mank. Get, <laughs> get rid of the father. Yeah. Throw in one night in Miami. Uh I know I've kept saying I haven't seen the father. There's no way that it's doing that much. Period. Like full stop, no way. They're like it's good, Anthony Hopkins. I'm sure it's great. It's a, it's apparently it's about a caregiver <laughs> or a daughter who's a caregiver and her father, played by Anthony Hopkins, with dementia. Yeah, it's the, yeah, yeah. So dementia. I'm sure yeah. it's great. Movies like that, if they're done really well, usually are. Mm-hmm. There's no fucking way that this movie was better cut than to, One Night in Miami. Cut to next week when we come back. When I've you've watched, watched it. the father, and you're like, "There's a way." Uh, um, <laughs> Another snub is Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always. Oh, yeah. Got no love. It's not shocking that it didn't get love, especially because it is about abortion. Yeah, it just bumps you up. Yeah, uh, yeah. but the main actress deserves some love. If Vanessa Kirby can get love for a fucking Netflix movie that not many people have seen, <laughs> uh, then this this actress deserves love. And she didn't get it, uh, which sucked. Made me a little upset because I loved that movie. Yeah, uh, you, you've every time you talk about that movie, you have a lot of love for that. It's movie. just it's so well done for such a heavy topic, and it doesn't make you walk away going like "Wow, wow," but like for such a heavy topic, it makes you just feel, and I love that. Yeah. Um, the Five Bloods, no love. It got some love, a little bit. Uh, wait, where it got Not a best original? It got a best original score nomination. Oh, okay. But it should have gotten Best Cinematography. It should have gotten Best Actor for Delroy Lindo. Fuck. Um, it should have gotten Best Director and probably Best Picture. It was amazing. Uh, I think a couple things happened with it. I think the first thing that happened was it was released in June. Uh, and all these movies are considered and they can be under consideration. You got to campaign for them. I think Netflix, and it doesn't surprise me. But I think because it was released in June, to campaign for it, they would have had to been putting money in since June. And it's just easier to campaign for movies like Mank and Pieces of a Woman that came out in November and like J- December. 
Yeah, I remember there wasn't a lot of hype for it yeah. for a long time. And it's easier to just be like, okay, well, we got to spend this much money on these two movies for this month. Yeah. Or we spend this much money on one movie for six months. It it From a production and financial standpoint, I get why they didn't campaign that hard. Yeah. Here's what frustrates me. Delroy Lindo was amazing. He gives a monologue that is career best. A fucking amazing actor giving an amazing monologue. And it's fantastic. My buddy pointed something out to me, though, that I find pretty true. Um, most award shows, Oscars included, don't nominate the actor that blows you away and makes you uncomfortable. Mm. They nominate the actor that makes you sit back and go, wow, they were so good in that. And I recognized while watching it, like, wow, you know, fucking Joaquin Phoenix as the Joker was amazing. Fucking, yeah. you know, Tom Hanks as Forrest Gump. Like, it's Tom Hanks, but he's killing it as yeah. Forrest Gump. They don't nominate, like, Adam Sandler in Uncut Gems. Right. Uncomfortable to watch. Very uncomfortable. Because he's so good that you're not and, sitting there going, you're not sitting there going, that's Adam Sandler. You're sitting there going, oh, my God. And what's his name? And I'm thinking of anything. Yeah. The dude. Yeah, no. Yeah. Jesse Plemons. Jesse Plemons. Phenomenal. He did fantastic. Delroy Lindo in this movie is so good, and there are scenes that are just uncomfortable because he's pushing it and he's doing so well. I think he deserved it, and he's not going to get it because he wasn't even nominated. Uh, but it would have been really good to see – or not good, but it would have been interesting to see him and Chadwick Boseman and Riz Ahmed, three of them nominated, just toe-to-toe because they're all so good. Uh, but I think that deserved more love. Yeah. The documentary Dick Johnson is Dead, which I think is amazing, and the documentary Boys State, both of them were not nominated for Best Documentary. Both of them deserved it. Both of them were favorites for it. Neither of them got nominated. Was Boys State good? Boys State's it? amazing. Really? Uh, that's also on Apple Plus. It's worth watching. Uh, it's great. What's I mean? don't have anything to say. I genuinely don't know what that one's about. It's about a politics camp. Oh. Yeah. Okay. But it makes it's it it's these boys in a state. No. You it's <laughs> it's basically this thing that happens in I think most states. Like from the way it looks, most states have this. And it's a bunch of young men, like 14, 15, interested in politics that go to this like two week camp and they run it like a democracy. Huh. They vote everybody like in the, the whole camp. Whole camp. You vote everybody in. Everybody, the highest you can be is governor, but there's like local reps. They basically build a federal government at a smaller level, mm-hmm. but like there are still like local, state, federal, whatever, mm. but it's all in this camp. So there are kids that campaign for governor that don't make it. Governor in the camp is the highest you can get. Yeah. And it's just interesting to watch. Like some of these kids are great kids, but they know politics. So like they know that like, I'm not going to get that kid's vote because there's one kid, he's got this deformality on his arm. And then they have other kids that don't vote for him simply because they're prejudiced against. They don't think for some reason they're like, he's got to work harder to get the shit done that that guy's got to do. So why would I vote for him when I can vote for that guy? Yeah. And to watch this happen at a, with young people, it was a really interesting documentary because it's like that the, the, if that's happening with young people. It's like getting a social it, experiment. Yeah, yeah. It, it's a it's a giant social experiment. Yeah. And it's just really, really cool. Uh, it was really good to watch. It's great. Wa- it's a great watch. 
Uh, and it's worth watching. But yeah, and I think those are just where they missed the mark. I think I think that Glenn Close was nominated. Like, fuck off. <laughs> uh, don't nominate her. It's like, we love Glenn Close. She deserved to win for the wife and she didn't. So Yeah, but here you can't make up for the wife with Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah, <laughs> like there's no way. That's but that's what I mean. Like, there's not a lot of snubs, but there's enough that it's like, wow, okay, okay, all right, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Another surprise was fucking Andrew Day for the People versus Billy. For, yeah, Billy Holiday. Yeah, although she is. Have you watched it? No, but I've uh, I've seen clips. It, it's. Is it? It's bad. Oh, it's bad. It's bad. I hated it. Uh, it's so loose, and the plot is just so all over the fucking place, and it's experimental, and it's weird, and it, it just didn't work for me. She is by far the best thing about it. Is she really great in it? She's great. Yeah, she's not. <coughs> she's not Oscar. Not Oscar. Really? No, like it, I'm <laughs> glad she got the recognition, but I just don't think it was great. Yeah. Um. Other snubs that I think deserved a little more love. First Cow. Mm-hmm. Could have gotten Best Cinematography. Palm Springs. Could have gotten Best Writing. You know. Never really. Sometimes always. Could have gotten just best. Anything. Um, but yeah. So I don't think a lot of things got snubbed. But I think the things that got snubbed shouldn't have been. Like they yeah. just flat out shouldn't have. But yeah. And I think of them. I think Delroy Lindo. It's a crime. That he wasn't nominated. That's a shame. Yeah. Damn. But into some exciting Oscar things. Um, because Chloe Zhao was nominated, the Chinese government is downplaying the Oscars completely. Oh. Because um they're down they're downplaying their coverage due to Zhao's political views and because of the documentary short about the Hong Kong uh protests. Was it directed by Chloe Zhao? No, but oh, there, okay. there's a documentary about it. And the fact that Chloe Zhao was nominated and she's from China. Uh, the Chinese government, which is heavily not cool, um, <laughs> is downplaying the coverage completely. Just to be like, yeah, you know what? We don't really give a fuck because you're probably going to say something bad against us. Or she's going to say something about the protests or something. And they don't want the people of China to see it. Which, as a communist government, makes sense. Yeah. Happens historically with most communist governments when they're like, you know, somebody from our place got nominated for something big. Uh, they're probably going to say something bad about us. How about we just don't show the people? Yeah. So. Because if they see it, they're going to go, hey. Yeah. They're talking about you guys. Uh, but it happens. Uh, if she wins and she says something, cool. If not, I mean, hey, shit happens. Hey, fuck the Chinese government. Yeah. I mean, Either yeah. Way. Communism is not great. Not great. Historically. Um <laughs> I didn't talk to somebody the other day about, she was like, communism's great. And I'm like, on paper. She's like, no, yeah, it's great. It just yeah. hasn't been done right. And I'm like, yeah, on well, paper. Well, yeah, that's why. On paper, it's a great concept. And I'm like, uh, In you're practice, not, it has never worked. Yeah. You're not accounting for, you know, people are greedy and they like power. Yeah. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. In other news, Avatar beat Endgame. Yep. Highest Avatar grossing movie of all time is. Endgame. Highest grossing movie of all time ever. Do you know what it is? It's Avatar. Uh, it is now. It is now again. Yeah, they released it over the weekend. In, less in China, than, in like they released days. it in China for a weekend. It needed to make seven million dollars, and it made like twenty four. Yeah, so it it's got it. It blew it away. That being said, 
I'm sure if they put out Avengers Endgame, I'm I'm sure if Disney, which re-released it. re-released Endgame, even though they just re-released Avatar because they own both, I'm sure Disney could jerk itself off and just have this be a long running yeah, thing. That's what I said last podcast. I'm like, I wonder if Endgame's gonna get re-released or another thing's gonna get re-released to pass it again. Yeah, it's just gonna become this back and forth now. Thing now, here's something for you. Yeah, adjusted for inflation. Do you know what the highest grossing film of all time is? What? Take a guess. Shot in the dark. Titanic. I'll, how about this? I'll give you the top five. Okay. At five is Endgame. Mm-hmm. At four is the first Star Wars movie. Okay. So New Hope. Yeah. At three is Titanic. Okay. At two is Avatar. What do you think is at number one? The Matrix. No. <laughs> nope. Not even close. What is it? Gone with the Wind. Really? Mm-hmm. Gone with the Wind. Mm-hmm. Well, shit. I mean, now that I think about it, yeah, okay. What year did that come out? 39. 39? Yeah. The dollar was worth something back then, because everything else was worth nothing. <laughs> yeah, well, so it's that. It's that it's been out. It's that it was re-released in theaters uh, uh, so many times. Uh, it won Oscars up the ass. It is an undisputed classic. Uh home ownership you know tv mm-hmm. on tv you know renting it when renting became a thing all that shit adjusted for inflation it ha- it, it's got a worldwide gross of about 3.739 billion dollars jesus christ avatar has a worldwide gross uh of like 3.286 yeah. oh so that's not that's not even that close when you think of how no no it it's gone with the wind by yeah, a chunk by a by a mile um Holy crap. Yeah, no. So that's something. First, because I was thinking about it, like, I bet it's going to be some old movie. And it is. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, Avatar beat out Endgame to become the highest grossing movie of all time. Hell yeah. Uh, time to start a feud. <laughs> and then Netflix just mm-hmm. bought the actor Dev Patel. And then, no, uh, Netflix bought Dev Patel's directorial debut for 30 million dollars yeah and it's an action revenge thriller about a man played by dev patel who emerges from prison and seeks revenge on those who wronged him and i'm excited for that just because i love dev patel dev patel zuko from the live action oh the main character of slumdog millionaire oh oh him oh okay i know kid from skins yeah okay the guy in line (laughs) uh the David Copperfield movie. Okay, yeah. The man who discovered zero, I believe. I'm a Dev oh, Patel yeah. fan. He, you like Dev Patel? I like Dev Patel. I think he's exciting. I think he does great in pretty much everything he's in. So I'm excited to see him in an action movie. That's awesome. Yeah. No, he wasn't in Life of Pi. That was a different guy. Fuck off. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's exciting because I just I want to see that movie. It sounds yeah. cool. Uh, and then in other just TV news... Uh, Peaky Blinders season six was it began filming in Liverpool. Oh, cool! Which I think is cool, and I think it's funny for two things. One, that show takes place in Liverpool in like the thirties and forties now, and I like that they don't have a set, and that Liverpool is just still grimy enough <laughs> that they just film in that Liverpool. they're just like, hey, you know what? What if instead of building a grimy Liverpool-looking street, we just film on a grimy Liverpool street? And it's like, what? But it needs to look like the forties. It does. <laughs> Nothing's changed. No, it's good. It's like, stuck in time. 
Uh, so I'm excited for that because I love that show. But yeah, I've been mean to get into it more. Great show. I love I love the bit where it's like no fighting, no fighting, no fucking fighting, no fucking fighting. <laughs> uh, great show. Love that show. And then I saw um, oh my god, he plays Venom. He's in Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy. I saw Tom Hardy's monologue to the main character of Peaky yeah. Blinders the other day. It was fantastic. Yeah. No, it was he's so good. He's great in it. Uh, he's he's actually amazing in it. Everybody in that show kills it. Uh, there's one season finale where they they kill one of the main characters off mm. and then you find out that they don't and that the Peaky Blinders were in on it, oh. but they don't reveal that they were in on it. So they let the people that the bad guys, they let the bad guys think they killed one of the brothers. Right. And then the Peaky Blinders show up for a meeting with the bad guys near the end of the episode and the brother shows up and shoots the main bad guy of the season square in the face. And it was an amazing, the way they do it, it's amazing. It's one of the coolest moments in the show hands down and i remember because the the guy they fake killed was like my favorite character so i was like no and then he showed up at the end of the episode i was like fuck yeah fuck yeah <laughs> like it's so good so much hype i love that so show much hype. uh and then in music news brock hampton oh shit their twitter has been weird it's yeah. been active uh brock hampton is a group of young men and creators who just wild dudes. they make music and they make their own music videos, and they're fucking cool. They're experimental. Uh, they're crazy. I love them. They're insane. Uh, they're so good, though. All of their albums are just good, and it's impressive. Uh, they're just awesome. Dude, when I want to get hyped, I listen to Boogie. Dude, they're great. Boogie's great. Uh, so they've been <laughs> tweeting more, and usually when they tweet, it means new music is coming. And so their tweets haven't had any new music in them. Mm. But it's just exciting that they're tweeting. I Is guess because it, it in historically it means shit's on its way, uh, and I love that. That's awesome. Uh, and Lots. then so I read something online. So I read that oral sex <laughs> makes you more at risk of mouth and throat cancer. You got a radioactive dick? No, it means so. No oral sex. Like if a man performs oral sex on a woman, or a woman performs oh. oral sex on a man. Or a woman on a woman or a man on a man. Whatever the fuck. Oral sex. If you perform oral sex, it puts you more at risk for mouth and throat cancer. I think if they were to have told me that at like 13, it still wouldn't scare me. Yeah. That's baller as fuck. If I die from cancer of the mouth or throat from eating pussy. I was about to say you ate too much pussy. From going down on a girl too much. I would want all the homies dabbing up at my funeral. I would want my dad... Doing the Rocky pose on his way out of the church. I would want my brother and cousins sea walking at the funeral. I want <laughs> just tears. I want the <laughs> I want the song "Hustling" by Rick Ross playing as they lower me in the ground. The fucking every day I'm hustling and hustling, and they're all shuffling, and everybody's just fucking <laughs> dancing. I want if the, I want to be buried in a pimp suit if that happens, like a zoot suit, yeah, anything. I like that's the most baller way to go. And then I looked it up and I'm pretty confident that. So there was a brief period of time in the mid 2000s where Michael Douglas had throat cancer. Yeah. I think that's why. <laughs> he was just going to. I hard. think he, he, his wife is Catherine Zeta Jones. You going to tell me he's not? True. Like, come on now. <laughs> and, and she's very vocal about it in interviews that they have a very healthy sex life. So, like, you tell me my man got throat cancer from Ian, but Michael Douglas a G. Like, <laughs> I, like, you know, 
you know. I think if that were to happen to me, and I think cancer's terrible. My grandfather died of cancer. Cancer's not funny. Cancer's not fun. My mom had but cancer. If, but if I were to die from throat cancer, from eating pussy. Would you be okay? Dude. Yeah. You'd win? Bro. You get up to the pearly gates. If I were to die from Gabriel that. Gabriel would be like, dude, you won. Right? Like, if I were to die <laughs> from that. I know it'd be sad and cancer's not funny. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, like uh, the doctor's you, trying to figure it out. Do you live near a radiation plant? Yeah, no. just, do you, do you just drink toxic waste. Whole no. family's crying. Just his <laughs> grandfather passed away from cancer. Yeah, that was tragic. How'd he pass away from cancer? Oh, that's so tragic. Like, do they know what might have caused it? Yeah, he went down on his girlfriend too often. <laughs> that's amazing. That's I want that. No, I don't want that. But if I had to pick. If I were to pick cancers to get and how, that. I'm Hands just, down, that. I imagine there's a list of shit that gives you cancer that doctors rattle off while you're in like a hospital bed and they get through it. And it's like, this, this, this. And then they look up. The first time they look up, they're just like, have you been eating too much pussy? <laughs> right? Like, like, we can't figure it out. What do you think caused it? I go down on my girlfriend a lot. That, That'll do it. That's it right there. Yep. Um, But yeah. And then. Yeah, that's really it. I don't have a lot more <laughs> this week. That was really it. I saw that. Thought it'd be funny. I was right. The Oscars you... eating pussy gives you cancer. Yeah, that's it. Uh, I uh, recently, because I didn't get to talk about this last time, uh, I saw Kajillionaire. Yeah, what'd you think? I loved the cinematography of it and just the sets and the colors. I thought the pink foam was like a really cool, interesting way to like, these guys live as needlessly as possible yeah and it's a wild wild way to live and uh the way they go through like these people have no emotions until like the big one happens and the trope of every time there's an earthquake quake it's getting closer to something and when it finally happens they're supposed to be like reborn are they no yeah no not at all no they're the same people and she thinks it like when she thinks it happened she's like she becomes this loving, caring person. Yeah. Which I did love. I did love that. But I also loved everybody's reaction of just like it. You needed a disaster to yeah. happen for that. Like I did love that part of the movie when the there's the earthquake that happens and the main character is just like, oh, my God, you look amazing. And I love life. And everybody that she's saying it to is just like, that's what you needed. You needed a life altering event. She to was just so, care. so repressed. Yeah. And so hard to get out because at like every time she'd go to like a meeting for like, what was it? The babies going like trying to get to the like their mom's breasts or whatever. And she yeah. was trying to like be vocal about needing attention or in love and just didn't. Uh, <laughs> she almost died. And she's like. Is different now. <laughs> <laughs> also, that the the only thing you talked about it, I didn't mind it until you said it. You're like, I didn't like the voice. I didn't I like the, the voice. voice. I hate Evan Rachel Wood is amazing in that movie. The voice she uses for that character, I don't know if it was a creative choice. I don't know if it was written in. I don't know if she had to do it. I fucking hated it. Yeah, you really hated it. Just yeah, just, it's hard to take a character seriously. Like, have you watched Westworld? Yeah. Okay. Bits, yeah. When you know what the actor sounds like, and then she's having because the scenes with her and the girlfriend, mm-hmm. I loved. I loved the dynamic. Oh, they're great. But when they're trying to have a heart to heart, and then all of a sudden it's just, well, I I just I don't operate that way. It's like <laughs> really, really, I don't fucking just characters. talk normal. Yeah, 
Like I just I just didn't like her voice. It was the one detractor for me from the movie. I thought the movie itself was really really good. I thought it. I thought the movie was great. I thought that the way they made her look, like her hair is wicked long, because they just don't want to spend money on haircuts. Yeah, I'm like that's cool as shit. That's interesting. And also the fact that it was labeled and advertised as a comedy, and it took me like 30 minutes to start laughing at it because I was like, wow, this is a really sad life. And then once that became like the normal yeah. for me, and you got accustomed to it. So many things are so funny, like her name being given to her, Old Dolio, because they thought a homeless guy would give her money after he died, and he didn't. I'm like, that's fucking funny. Uh, <laughs> but I thought Kajillionaire was a great movie. I thought it was an interesting plot. I thought the end wrapping up with her getting her share through the gifts she got from her parents was really cool. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Um, So I was pretty happy about it. Uh, it didn't, like, blow me away, but I was like, I feel, I feel... Feel happy. Feel yeah. good. Feel good about it. There's one new game. Okay. One new game coming out that just got announced. I think you would like it. Okay. It's pretty peaceful. Um, what game? It's called Season. Okay. It's coming out for P- the PS5. Okay. Its art is pretty min- minimalistic and realistic, and it's about you're a young black woman uh, who leaves a secluded town for the first time, and you're exploring the world. First mm-hmm. time seeing it. And you have a tape recorder and a camera and you're recording pieces, different pieces of different cultures before they're eradicated by a huge event, like a world ending event. Okay. And there's nothing you can do, but it's really you just like bearing witness to this event. Okay. What happens and recording it and getting pieces of like, like a time capsule of these cultures. And it looks beautiful and the music is gorgeous and I'm super pumped for it. It's at yeah. that point where I'm like, okay, good games are starting to come out for the PS5. I'm excited for when I can actually get one and start playing these games. Season's going to be one of the first ones I get. It looks like it's going to be amazing. That sounds cool. Yeah, it is. Uh, cool. One last bit of video game news. Yeah. Gotham Knights. Ooh. It has been delayed to 2022. Never mind. When? Which, that sucks. Uh, I wish it hadn't been because I love anything that's in that Arkham world. From the Rocksteady games that were then somewhat pick up, picked up by Warner Brothers Montreal. Mm. Uh, this game is being made by Warner Brothers Montreal, but it looked cool. So I hope when it comes out that it's good. Uh, I'm still hyped, though, because Rocksteady's next game is Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League. Really? Yeah. And that Ooh. just sounds cool. Rocksteady always puts out great games. Rocksteady's out. Yeah. Their games are amazing. Mm-hmm. Um on a much more somber note, because we don't talk about really world events that much unless we feel the need to. I think this is a new yeah, yeah, so in, was it Atlanta? It was Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, so in Atlanta, a man targeted and killed uh, several women of Asian descent in Six? shootings around the Atlanta yeah. area. Six women of Asian descent, four of them of Korean descent. And yeah. He went to three different Asian spas. And just killed him. And just killed him. Uh, and a lot of the coverage that isn't celebrity coverage or just people reading the headlines. Most of the headlines aren't calling it a hate crime. They're saying he says he's not racially motivated, so we're going to take it at face value. But it it is. Yeah, uh, it, is. it is a hate crime. And especially in the past year we've had with coronavirus, it also is just, for people that don't know, a lot of Asian crime mm-hmm. like a, people crimes crimes against asian people yeah uh 
has been skyrocketing mm-hmm. uh, at a very dramatic rate. And this should have been a, a wake up call for everybody. Just yeah. like, this is an issue. And a lot of per, like uh, people that are in power and in government were just like, well, he said he wasn't r- racist. So we're going to believe him. Yeah. No, that's not the response. Uh, so eight people were killed. Mm-hmm. Six victims were Asian. Six um, victims were Asian. Yeah. So first of all, it's tragic. Yes. It's extremely tragic. It's disgusting to me that headlines aren't calling it a hate crime because if, if, and it's the it's the racial bias in the country that is so deeply rooted. Uh, if a white man shot ten black people, mm-hmm. people call it a hate crime. Yeah, hands down. The fact that a white person goes out and kills eight people, six of them Asian, at spas targeting them. went to specifically Asian spas and so- targeted these people. <clears throat> And you're not calling it a hate crime. It's baffling to me because then also if a black dude went out and killed 10 white people just because they were white, that's a racially biased hate crime. Yeah. So it's just, it's baffling to me. Uh, A lot of Asian entertainers in the entertainment industry have come out saying, don't be silent. Uh, But it's just a heartbreaking thing that has happened. Uh, It's sad. Mm -hmm. I think that people need to do better. Uh, If, if it looks like a duck, sounds like a duck, call it a duck. Mm-hmm. The fact that it looks like a hate crime, sounds like a hate crime, it and you're not crime. calling it a hate crime, <clears throat> it baffles me. Because it was a hate crime, mm-hmm. uh, but it's heartbreaking. I think our hearts go out to everybody. I yeah, mean, I fucking Domino's. Domino's. Domino's released a fucking statement. Like, What did Domino's say? They just said, we cannot heal as a nation if innocent people continue to be assaulted for simply being who they are. We cannot unite as a people if we cannot see each other as people, as a, as unique individuals who deserve dignity, respect, understanding, and equality. As a brand that brings people together, we denounce any forms of violence and discrimination. Join us in helping to stop Asian hate. Dude, Domino's. Dude, Domino's killed it. Domino's. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just the initial coverage because now they're calling it a hate crime, which makes sense. Now they're saying these things, which makes sense. But initially when it happened, it wasn't being called a hate crime. It's a fucking domestic terrorist because people attack. Because people are afraid. People are afraid to say hate crime when it's not against a black person. Yeah, the against, racial bias is insane. Yeah, if it's a black person, it's a hate crime. What about all these other races? Well, nah. But yeah, I think it's just frustrating. It's a it's, frustrating. It's frustrating and response. heartbreaking, yeah. and I it just broke my heart. Yeah. So our love. There's not much we can do at this point except yeah. to spread awareness and, and donate our, where you can. Yeah. There's places you can donate if you research them. Uh, but yeah, I think it's just heartbreaking. And our, our hearts, again, our hearts go, go out, out to the victims and but their families. Yeah. Uh, on a lighter note, I think now that we're pretty much wrapping up this episode, mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go, I want you to guess the movie I'm going to watch. I think I'm going to go watch the movie about the group of road dwellers in middle America whose resilience and sense of community helped them endure the economic decline of a country that's left them behind. Do you know what movie I think I'm going to watch? Mm. Cars. <laughs> you know what movie I'm going to go watch? Uh, the Snyder Cut, I think. I think I'm at, I, I'm gonna do that. I have yeah. other things I need to do today, but my game plan. I'm I at least want to watch half of it. But yeah. Uh, but thanks, thanks for, for watching, listening. everybody. And, yeah. Watching, yeah. listening. We love you all. Yeah. And we'll see you in the next episode. See, you, yeah, next time. Hopefully your tattoos all healed up by then. Dude, it hurts so bad. <laughs>